Good morning, family. And welcome to Christmas morning. I think I'm getting a lot of feedback up here. Could be. It's going to sound like an angel speaking behind me, and I don't feel like an angel. (laughs) Are we? Yeah, that sounds, well, it's getting better. All right. So it's Christmas, isn't it? And Jesus is the gift. We know that, right? So let's take a moment this morning. Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew. Because right now we're discussing an unusual birth. And we go to Matthew 1, verse 18 to 25. Let's read together. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray for the word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift of Christ. Father God, looking to King David and Nathan having a conversation about creating on earth a dwelling for you, Heavenly Father, Because of David's faithfulness to you, you promised him that you would build your house from his lineage. And so, Father, even as we discuss the fruition of that promise to David through Nathan, we pray that you would just continue to glorify your name here this morning. I pray that everybody sitting here this morning will know for sure that you are the gift of Christmas, that you are the gift of eternity, eternity past, eternity future. The very word of creation stems from your lips, that with your word you created all things, and we sitting here this morning are merely stardust in this universe, and yet you put us together, you created us in your image. And so Father God, as we celebrate you and celebrate what you have done, We pray that you'd give us wisdom and counsel this morning through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. An unusual birth. We know Jesus is the gift in the manger. 
For those of you who are parents and you have children, you will know that giving birth is quite the adventure. I have three children, and each child gave me a totally different adventure. Nicola, my firstborn, we had days in advance. We had lots of warning. We waited for her for a long time. Shannon had the worst off of that deal. Shannon had to wait and wait and wait. I waited so long I got my uh, a laptop and I was playing computer games while we were waiting, much to Shannon's chagrin, and she holds it against me to this day. <laughs> my second born came almost immediately. And the worst time of the day, what is the worst time of day if you live in the city, people? Rush hour, Rush hour traffic. If it was after hours, it would take a 20-minute breeze to the local uh, hospital unit where you could take care of all your needs. But rush hour traffic changes the dynamic of that trip. I remember from our house in Kempton Park to uh, the, the birthing unit, as I say, it was rush hour traffic. Shannon had a little bit of warning, but we got up and I remember climbing to the vehicle and I remember putting on my hazards, going down the lane, but the lane where, from where we lived was a little bit more like the, the main road going here from Graphite into Bancroft. It was sort of single lane the whole way. And in rush hour traffic in a city, the lineup was just kilometers long. And so I remember... <laughs> Shannon said, Martin, you've got to hurry. And so I started driving on the, with, on the side of the road and people thought I was crazy. <laughs> when you don't know what's happening in that other person's life, you think they are. Look at these idiots driving down on the side of the road, not even on the pavement. You need to know in South Africa, when you say the pavement, that is where people, that's the sidewalk where people, we call the pavement, what you call pavement here, we call that the tarmac. So in fact, people walk on the pavement and we drive on the tar road. So you've got to have a bit of a reversal there. So I was driving down the dirt side because I needed to get past all these people and I was jumping the queue, so to say. So you can imagine how many people were hooting, Right? Can you imagine the pressure you're under? <coughs> the mother is just holding it in, right? Mary's on the donkey, and what's happening? She's just holding it together. The poor bloke that's holding it all together is Joseph. Can you imagine being Joseph? Have you ever been out late at night and there's a snowstorm and suddenly all the roads are closed down and you're trying to find a hotel? Anybody been there? Yes. Been there a few times when you're doing the North Shore and there's an accident, the road's been closed off for eight hours, and all of a sudden every hotel within an hour drive is full. And the idea of sleeping in a car in the north is not fun. Anybody slept in a car in the north? Yes? It's not something you look forward to. But here you've got a bloke with his wife on a donkey, right? This is not like a car with air conditioning and you can turn the heat up. Now you're looking for an inn. You're looking for a place to deliver a baby. How many of you know, how many of you know any hotel managers looking forward to a woman giving birth in one of your rooms? 
Anybody? Does that sound exciting for your Cletons? No. And so I remember with, with Victoria, it, it was just, it was the rush to get there. And well, that was quite the journey. I remember it clearly. It's almost a photographic memory. I remember that so clearly. And when we got there, it was like, literally we'd paid for like additional because last time we had to wait for a long time, so we paid for comfort. But Victoria was in and out of there like 15 minutes. It's all like, boom, gone. And then like all of that, okay, we're leaving now. And like bewildered. But then there were some challenges, and so Shannon had to go to the hospital. Victoria needed to go to another uh, hospital because they needed additional care. Giving birth is a wild ride. Timothy was a whole different journey, but that's for a different conversation. But Victoria, I remember clearly because it was such an anxiety-driven rush to get there that suddenly it was there. And can you imagine being Joseph? I mean, he's kind of the hero of the story that night, right? Because he, he had to make things happen. You know, there's all sorts of things happening. Let's look at Joseph a little bit this morning. Let's see what the man of the hour brings to the story. What we know about Joseph is that he was born kind of 90 to 100 BCE. And he later wed Virgin Mary, Jesus' mother. He died in Israel, circa between 1 and 19 AD, and they say he, they imagine him to be 101 to 108 years old. The circumstances of Joseph's death are not known, but it is likely that he died before Jesus' ministry began. It is implied that he was dead before the crucifixion in John 19. Joseph is the patron saint of Mexico, Canada, and Belgium. Did you know that? Joseph is your patron saint and you didn't know that. Shame on you. All right, but now you know. Joseph was declared patron of the Universal Church by Pope Pius IX and in 1955, Pope Pius XII established May 1st as the feast of St. Joseph the Worker to counter the Communists' May Day. So even today, 1955, Joseph's touch on our lives continues. What do we know about Joseph from the story we've read? Joseph was faithful to the law. He noticed that Mary was with child and they were not betrothed. Do you know what would happen to a woman in that day and age if you were pregnant? In fact, it happens in the Islamic world today. If you bring shame to your family, you'll be stoned to death. What does Joseph do? He doesn't put her aside. He puts it to his mind that he will put her aside quietly later on. Then we have an angel appearing to him while he's sleeping. And says, and explains to Joseph Mary's situation. So he doesn't consummate his, his, his marriage with Mary. He waits until she has given birth to Jesus. And Joseph calls, Jace, uh, Joseph is the one who names Jesus. Joseph is a foundational person in the life of Christ. He's the father of the house. And if God is choosing Joseph as the father 
then he must be a rather interesting person to be around. What we know about Joseph is his genealogy. In Matthew 1, verse 6 to 25, and we read there, Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, etc., etc., 14 generations. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there are 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 to the ek from the exile to the birth of the Messiah. 14, 14, 14. Isn't that interesting? The Bible's full of numerology. Some scholars reconcile the genealogies by viewing the Solomon, Solomon as the royal, Joseph's major royal line and the Nathanic lineage to Luke's to be Mary's minor line. And so both Joseph and Mary are linked to King, King David. What I find amazing in Joseph's story is his openness to divine guidance. In Matthew chapter 2 we read this, And the Magi, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the nights, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophets, Out of Egypt I called my son. And when Herod realized he had outwitted the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Can you imagine, ladies, your two-year-old son being put to the knife? Gentlemen, how many sons would you like to give up? This was a wild ride. And Joseph, being led by angels, is protecting and looking after the baby Jesus. This is wild. Something beyond my imagination. I can imagine the turmoil of that night, trying to find that in. And every way you turn to, there's just, the doors are closed. Oh Lord, where are you leading me now? Lord, this is your child. Lead me to the place I need to be this evening. Later on in, in chapter 17, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah. Weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to her in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to kill the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. When he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah, in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And so was fulfilled what is said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. What is interesting in the story is the parallels between the Old and New Testaments. 
In Matthew, we read how Joseph obeys the direction of the angels, not once, not twice, three times, even coming back the fourth time in going to Nazareth. You know, and they say Joseph, Joseph and, the, and Mary and Jesus stayed in Bethlehem for an unspecified time, but they imagined it to be about two years until they met with the Magi. And once they'd met with the Magi, they moved on. Often in the, in the biblical story, in the narrative or the nativity, we have the wise men in the stable at night. That isn't the, how history goes on that. But they leave for Egypt after the Magi come to visit. When Joseph is told in the, in, by an angel in the dream to take the family to Egypt and escape the massacre of children in Bethlehem. You know, it's just, Herod is just trying to, he's, everybody's expecting the Messiah at some stage. So whoever controls the Messiah controls a lot. But if you're King Herod, Herod the Great, do you need another upstart Israelite coming along to claim himself as the king of the Israelites. No, it's better just put that, that child to bed. Even if you look at 70 AD when they destroy Israel, it's because Israel is one of the hardest nations in the world to control. They don't abide by the rest of the world's rules. They abide by the law. And they don't want to be led by anybody else other than an Israelite. That's, what it, that's the way it is. So they've been a thorn in the flesh for for every Roman Caesar that there's been. Thus in Matthew, the infant Jesus, like Moses, is in peril from a cruel king. Like Moses, he has a forefather named Joseph, who goes down to Egypt like the Old Testament. Joseph, this Joseph, has a father named Jacob, also known as Israel, and both Josephs receive important dreams foretelling their future. Do you see there's an interesting parallel there? And I'm not going to go into in-depth with that with you this morning. But if I spike an interest for you to go and research it, I encourage you. It's very interesting. What we see in Joseph. Joseph is a man of strong conviction, which lived out his beliefs and his actions. He was described in the Bible as a righteous man. Even when personally wronged, potentially he had the quality of being sensitive to somebody else's shame. He responded to God in obedience and he practiced self-control. Joseph is a wonderful biblical example of integrity and godly character. Joseph is, is his, and his openness to divine guidance. The New Testament depicts Joseph as a resourceful individual who earned his living as a tradesman, as a carpenter or stonemason. Joseph was a person who struggled as he sought to know God's will. And once he learned God's will, Joseph did it promptly and completely, even when this disturbed his own plans. Have you ever thought what it means when you've had an angel saying, this is my son and you're going to be the adoptive father, what sort of pressure that would put you under? Anybody here ready to adopt baby Jesus? Bring him up. Can you imagine the responsibility being on your knees, oh Lord, I need guidance right now. This is your son and where do I take him? How do I look after him? How do I bring him up? He's shown to be a parent who cared deeply about Jesus, both rejoicing in awe at the marvels, attending his birth, and sorrowing when Jesus was lost in Luke. 
Another thing that's very interesting is on, in the spiritual observance. In Luke we read, on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise Jesus, he was, the, the name the angel had given Joseph before he was conceived, the time came for the purification rites by the law of Moses. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn, firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And here we see the story of Simeon and Anna. Beautiful story in and of itself. Simeon sees baby Jesus and says, now I've seen the Lord's salvation and I can go away and die now. Isn't that amazing? Anna's response on the other hand is what I sometimes view as the first apostle. Anna sees Jesus and you know what she does? She goes around proclaiming the Christ is here. She becomes the first evangelist in some ways. Isn't that amazing? And here you've got... Joseph and Mary looking at this, Joseph and just watching the supernatural of the Lord just unfolding in every way, shape or form. You need to be a man who is sensitive to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in this situation. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Another interesting story as we read later on in Luke, it says, you know, when every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover, one of the main, remember what's Passover? This is when we celebrate the crucifixion of Christ. And every year at Passover they went up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And it was one of these such events that the whole family goes up and, and they spend Passover there. But after they're coming back, after about a day, they suddenly realize Jesus isn't with them. And it takes them three days to find Jesus. When you hear three days, what does that make you think of? The death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. They searched for him for three days. A preemptive indication of what was to come. And when they found him, where do they find Jesus? After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Asking questions, to ask a question of a rabbi indicates that you're a person of some learning. In fact, in those rabbinical courts, you will answer a question with a question. So Jesus asking questions is an indication that he was interacting with these rabbis on a rather high level for a 12-year-old. And they were amazed. At first they were a little bit frustrated with a missing son. But they hid these things in their hearts because they recognized something supernatural was at work. The Son of God was about his father's business. And his father's house is what it's all about. Over and over, Jesus must be known and associated with Joseph. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? And we have found one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
You see, God had a plan for Joseph's life. Saint Joseph, the neutral domini or the educator, the guardian of the Lord, is one of Joseph's titles. The necessity of the present of Saint Joseph in the plan of the incarnation. For if Mary had not been married, the Jews could have stoned her and that in his youth Jesus needed the care and the protection of a human father. The model of a loving father as a suggestion, as a shadow of the heavenly father, a saint modest and hidden, to whom deep respect and reverence are owed. Listen to the song if you just for a moment. This is Joseph in the manger picking Jesus up for the first time just as maybe you picked up your child one day. And in that moment, remember when you picked your children up for the first day and you introduced, as a man, you introduced your child for the first time and you picked that child up and you had that first interaction. Maybe you prayed over your child. I remember me lifting Nicola to my arms and putting my nose to her little cheek. I say, hey, you me, baby, we're going to make this, this thing happen. This life of ours, we've been privileged to be blessed to be together. We're going we're gonna to live this life together, and we're going to be blessed. And, I want, and in thinking, what would J. H. Joseph have said to Jesus or sung to Jesus? Do you want to play?
So as we know, Jesus is the gift in the manger. But one of the things I've been meditating on since last week, we, we had some of those young children. They were, they, had the, they were dressed up as gifts, were they not? It made me, for a moment, just stop and think how people are God's gift to us too. Jesus is, is the chief, the glue that holds us all together. But think about this morning, Phyllis wasn't here this morning at the piano, was she not? No, she's a little bit fluey, she's not feeling too well. But what a gift she's been to many of us. Can you think about some of the people that God has gifted us in this chapel over the last 20, 25 years that have gone on to be with the Lord? Do you remember a few people fondly? What about a, a spiritual mentor for us older folk who taught us how to pray or t- all the people who mentored me are, are long gone? What a gift each one was. And then I think of my family that's with me. What a gift. The gift of family. The gift of fathers, the gift of mothers, the gift of uncles and aunts and cousins. Isn't that what Christmas is about? How many of you are running home to go and prepare meals for the masses, right? By the 26th, none of us wants to eat another turkey for a year. No one wants to have another ham. We don't even want to see it. It's done. But boy, what memories we make in this, our current year. Making memories together is what life is about. Cherish the baby in the manger. But look at the family he has given you and cherish that as much. Because there's going to come a time that you and I are going to leave this mortal coil and go to our father's house. Because that is where ultimately all of us belong. We're going to go to our father's house and we're going to find our Christ there. And he's going to say, welcome my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. But this is a season of rest, is not, as we celebrate. Maybe now's an opportunity to close your eyes and ask the worship team to come up. But maybe just take a moment just to give thanks to God. Close your eyes, bow your heads. And just express your gratitude for family. Express gratitude for the gift under the tree. Christ, the gift of all things. And let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can surrender our lives to Christ. That Jesus, we can put your glory upon us because you died on that cross. Thank you that as we put on the glory of Christ, that we can go out into the world and be your gift to mankind. Bring the gift of who you are to the world that so desperately needs you. And Father God, around many places of this earth, Father God, people are in turmoil, suffering, at war, fighting, bickering, all sorts of things. And yet, Father God, for this season, we pray that everybody would just be touched by hope and peace over the next couple of days, that they can just taste and see that you are Amazing, wonderful, and good. That, Father God, people may call on the name of Jesus to be saved. That in all things we can remember Christ 
before your throne, seated at your right hand. And yet at the same time we can think of Mary, we can think of Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds, all the people that you surrounded Jesus with to be part of his story, even as today we are part of that same story. Father, we pray, like Joseph, that you would speak to us in dreams and in visions, that we would continue to be led by your spirit to be a blessing to our families, to our loved ones. And even as we look to the year ahead, Father God, that in all things you would continue to build your, ca- your kingdom, that there would be no end of it. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.